Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it, we keep it reels. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Welcome to another episode of Mama Bear Apologetics. I'm Hillary. And I'm Amy. And so today we're going to be talking about a couple things. We might divide this into two podcasts, but uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you've been seeing uh, several of our public leaders in the faith are starting to walk away from the faith. And they're not just doing it privately. They are doing it very publicly. The first one being Joshua Harris. Uh, And the second one being uh, Marty Sampson, which I will henceforth be referred to as just the Hillsong guy, mainly because not many people knew. I I did a poll on Facebook to see how many people actually knew who he was before this whole thing went down, and it was literally less than 5%. Yeah, I I was one of those. I I did not know who he was. Yeah, I didn't either. So I'm like, yeah, if uh, I've gotten some critique for referring to him as the Hillsong guy, but at the same time, if no one knew his name before, I'm not going to make his name famous now. So it's, uh, he's just the Hillsong guy. Um, And I would say that there's a big difference between the way Joshua Harris kind of did his pulling back away from the faith and the way the Hillsong guy did. Would you, would you agree with that? It was more of a humble sort of quieter backing out. It wasn't quite so, you know, in your face. It was something that you could tell that it, he was really wrestling and really struggling with it. It wasn't something that he was proud of so to speak so it's it's something that you could tell that it was a burden on him whereas you're with, talking about joshua harris yes right joshua now, right? harris yes yeah. so whereas hillsong guy not quite that way no not so much so one of the things that um that we want to talk about is just what we want to talk about what was actually said because there's been a lot of scrubbing of uh, the instagram and of twitter to to erase what he said but you know what it's it's the internet you can't you really can't erase things especially after like a hundred people wrote articles on it quoting you. Yeah. Um, but secondly, I really want to talk about something that has really burdened me through this whole thing, and that is the difference between a wounded sheep and a wolf. Uh, so th- this this might get divided up into two podcasts, um, you know, first talking about what actually happened, but then going into what I think is the deeper implication of the wounded sheep versus the wolf phenomenon that uh, a lot of times I I think we are training Christians that we have been so inundated with this idea of compassion and tolerance and and love, which are all good things until you start uh, trying to reach out to a wolf with those things. It's one of those things where we're, we're not supposed to be loving the wolf into the flock. We are supposed to protect the flock from the wolf. Mm. And so... Knowing the difference between those is really important. But before we get into all of that, I just want to give a couple updates. Uh, So we we haven't done a podcast in about a month, and I just wanted to tell everyone why. One of the big reasons, I was recording the Mama Bear Apologetics book, audio book. Yeah. So um, basically, I was having to record like four hours at a time and then just go several days and not speak. And it was really funny because suddenly my husband had like a thousand things, you know, discussions he (laughs) wanted to have. (laughs) 
that time. And I'm like, I can't. I was I was drinking the stuff called throat coat tea, like it was oh, going out of style. Stuff. And oh yeah, my my lymph glands, lymph lymph nodes were swollen, um, just because it, I'm not used to talking that much. Um, maybe back when I was a teacher, I did. But anyway, and secondly, I just want to say how awesome the response to the book has been that we have had uh, mama bear groups forming left and right everywhere. And it is so exciting. Um, I have women just sending pictures of, you know, just big groups of them all holding their mama bear books and going through discussion. And so I know several of us that were involved with the book are actually going to be having our own mama bear groups with our church. So I just want to encourage people that uh, the, 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 the questions that we have at the end really are good discussion questions. Mm. And if you want to start a, a mama bear group to go through this book, I don't think you have to be an expert. You just have to be okay with leading a conversation. And um, I might have a surprise in the future for people who are leading groups, but I don't want to go into that until I get all my ducks in a row. But just know that um, you might have some extra support if you decide to lead a mama bear group, but I'm not making any promises yet. So. <laughs> So that is some of our updates. So moving moving into what our topic is today. So as, as we mentioned, um, we want to talk about what happened with the Joshua Harris. We're not going to as much talk about Joshua Harris as much because um, I, I have a, a blog a blog post titled uh, Four Good Things That Go Bad When They Are Idolized that kind of addressed what I saw going on with Joshua Harris. I really want to deal more with the Hillsong God because my spirit really reacted mm. to this one and it really especially reacted when I saw the way other Christians were reacting and I thought oh my gosh it's it's not like I was seeing just what was going on in this moment I was seeing the trajectory that the church was starting to embark upon and that it scared me it honestly scared me mm. um not that we need to be afraid um but at the same time we need to be concerned when we see a really unhealthy trajectory so um, so first off, why don't you tell us a little bit about his original post? So it looks like uh, his original post was sort of this sort of frustration rant that he happened to put on social media. Uh, he calls it sort of his soapbox moment. And so mm -hmm. he takes just a couple of paragraphs to basically unload that he is, that he's struggling in the faith. He's, he's walked away from it. He says it's not a bad thing. He's actually seems to be very happy about it. Uh, he says it, it doesn't bother him at all that he's losing his yeah. faith. And he's... Why don't we just go ahead and read what he said? Oh, yeah. I got it up. So let's see. Okay. Story time, everyone. <laughs> time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith, and it doesn't bother me. Like, what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now. So at peace with the world. It's crazy. This is a soapbox moment, so here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradiction? No one talks about it. How can God be love yet send four billion people to a place because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. I'm not in anymore. I want genuine truth, not the I just believe it kind of truth. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. Got so much more to say, but for me, I keep, I'm keep i keeping it real. Unfollow if you want. I've never been about living my life for others. 
All I know is that what's true to me right now and Christianity just seems to me like another religion at this point. I could go on, but I won't. Love and forgive, absolutely. Be kind, absolutely. Be generous and do good to others, absolutely. Some things are good no matter what you believe. Let the rain fall and the sun will come up tomorrow. So let's talk about a couple things on this. Um, First off, uh, when he says nothing's bothering me i am so happy and i'm so peace i I am so at peace with the world it's crazy the phrase that sticks sticks out to me is i am so at peace with the world the world (laughs) yes i know and it's one of those things where and this is i've seen i've seen christians talk about this before that they they try to define the fruits of the spirit in terms of just what is listed in the fruits of the spirit instead of the whole of scripture which uh if you read like what jesus talks about in terms of fruits of the spirit uh, there's a lot of places that say keep with the fruits of, of the spirit in um, in regards to repentance. I can't remember the exact phrasing, um, but it's always in terms of repentance, not just love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, because this idea that fruit is only a feeling of love, mm. a feeling of peace. People can take peace with the world because we are supposed to be at war with the world. Not not at war in the way that we're just like going after them, but yeah. like, you know, not in the world or, or in the world, but not of the world. Um, that once you are of the world, you feel at peace with the world. In fact, I remember when I was in high school, after my freshman year in high school, my parents decided to move me to a the Christian school that I had gone to when I was in elementary school that I had begged for like the last five years to go back to. And I remember um, when they moved me, I remember being so mad because mm-hmm. I said, I, I'm finally, I am just now finally starting to fit in with my peers here. And of course, looking back, I think, well, that was the problem. <laughs> I was finally starting to fit in with my peers. Mm-hmm. That that wasn't necessarily a good thing. Uh, and I think my parents picked up on that. And I'm really thankful that they did what they did. Um, but yeah, this idea of being at peace with the world and that being the proof of being in the truth um i think that's proof that you're just not fighting things that are hard anymore yeah and you know you really get that that sense too as you read sort of his challenges you know oh the church isn't talking about this the church isn't talking about it it almost seems like when he's like i'm so at peace it's i i no longer have to sort of think anymore it's you know mm-hmm. when you, when he talks about uh, all these all these feelings and that sort of thing it's almost this sort of experiential appeal like it's it's true because i feel it and uh, yeah. you know we we are given truth or we are able to discern truth and that sort of thing and some of it is based on on sense experience but that can't be be the sole source of our truth that's where things start yeah. getting sketchy yeah so here here was the second issue that i had with this is this phrase this is a soapbox moment so here i go the reason why i think that this is a really important statement is because he later goes on to say in some of his other things well i wasn't trying to influence anybody i wasn't trying i was just trying to be honest no 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 you said this is my soapbox moment So you are actively saying, I am trying to proclaim this message to as many people. And I think my response on this was when he said, how many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. He just lists all these things and says that no one talks about it. And the the thing is, I think he thought he was going to be giving this really big aha moment to all of Christendom of, wow, he's right. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. But what he got instead 
was an entire smear of responses going, where have you been? Like, yes, people talk about this all the time. Children ask this in Sunday school. The church has been talking about it for, you know, 1500 plus years. Um, we didn't just discover the contradictions. We didn't just discover this idea of hell being a bad thing. In fact, I remember one of my professors, Clay Jones, in a Q&A, <laughs> had, a, had a student ask, you know, what do I do with the doctrine of hell? Because how, how do I feel more comfortable with that? Because I feel really uncomfortable with that. And Clay Jones just kind of had this duh <laughs> kind of look on his face. And he said, if you uh, feel comfortable with the concept of hell, you don't understand, or, or if you feel comfortable with the doctrine of hell, you don't understand the doctrine of hell. We are not supposed to be comfortable with the doctrine of hell. Um, and this idea that thinking, oh, well, I'm not comfortable with this, so, so therefore it can't be true. No, the doctrine of hell is supposed to be scandalous in a lot of ways. It's not something we're supposed to be comfortable with. It's one of the things that's supposed to give us the impetus to be talking to people about Christ because it is such a, a, a horrific concept. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. It's so funny because I remember um, a story in class being shared of, you know, this pastor who had been going to prisons and he was trying, you know, trying to win people, but he was kind of going at it in sort of this ho-hum way. I think this was like the late 1800s. And as this prisoner is being marched off to his execution, he just turns and looks at him. He goes, you know, if what you're saying is really true, then you should be crawling over broken glass to get this message out. Just basically saying that, you know, if, if this is mm. true, if the realities of, of hell and heaven are really are really out there, you know, not only should you be uncomfortable with the, the reality of not being a believer, but also be so willing to go out of your way to reach people with it that you would, you know, risk sort of your own comfort for that. And, yeah. uh, and we're seeing a lot of, of comfort becoming the priority here. And it's, mm. it's not a good thing. Yeah, we talk about that in the Mama Bear book about how the concept of love has been replaced by this really sh shallow concept of comfort, mm. of trying to make someone comfortable as the loving thing. And, and the quote that you said reminds me of, um, oh golly, Nabil Qureshi uh, in his book, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, where he and David Wood had just years and years and years of conversations about about Christianity and, you, and basically David Wood used apologetics to slowly introduce Nabil into the faith. Mm. And the, the thing that he says at one point is after he becomes a Christian, he says, why didn't any of my other Christian friends talk to me about this? Why didn't any of them tell me about this? Did they actually believe this was true? If they really truly thought that I was going to hell, how could they not tell me about this? How could they not care? And I think it's sometimes so easy, and I, and I hold myself in this category, to forget that um, it's like I don't want to make people uncomfortable. And since I was, I was saved at such a young age, I don't even remember when I was actually saved. Mm. I don't know what it's like to go from darkness into light. It's like I was always basically in the light. And so I just kind of assume that people know. Mm. And if, if they wanted to know more, they'd talk about it. But that is not... A correct assumption so I need to get out of my comfort zone to talk about this kind of stuff if I truly believe this is true I need to be doing what I can to reach people where they are anyway we're kind of getting on a side topic but so the the thing that happened with this is that he kept listing all these things that he said that no one is talking about and basically the entire internet just erupted with like where have you been everybody's been talking about this 
I think in some ways, though, I, I almost think it was a bit of a good thing because, yes, there are um, amazing apologists that are out there and, you know, it, it does, it's not even hard to find this stuff. It's a quick Google search. But to some extent, still within the church, apologetics is still somewhat of a pariah. I mean, I, I remember yes. being in service not too long ago and having the pastor talking about, you know, reaching out and he was like, it's not about apologetics. It's not about making arguments and arguing people into faith. It's about loving them. And it's like, wait, hold up. If the Holy Spirit isn't involved, you can't love somebody any faster than you can argue somebody. So yes, you can get people, mm. you can argue folks into the faith, but still there are a lot of pastors who are, are still kind of frightened about it. I don't think they quite know it. I think they think, oh, well, it's kind of more in the philosophy camp and you know can't do that yeah. so um so in a way i think it is good because maybe this will motivate some pastors to be like you know this would be a great series for us to tackle let's address point by point everything that he's challenging that we don't talk about and make sure our parishioners can go home saying you know what our church isn't one like that yeah and i think actually this is like one of those things where it, it has brought apologetics to the forefront where People are saying, if he's saying no one's talking about this, this is what I think uh, the the twit the the twit the, the tweet that I sent out <laughs> the twit um, institute yeah face. twit face um, the tweet that I sent out was uh, you know he says gives this long list of stuff that no one's talking about you know who has been talking about this for a long time and trying to get the church to listen apologists yes. apologists have been talking about this um, we have conferences and t-shirts like seriously I know right <laughs> we've got t-shirts man I mean that's proof. Um, but one of the, one of the responses, one of the best, there, there's two really great responses that I think, um, I saw on, one of them was Dr. Michael Brown and, yes. um, on, uh, the stream. And we will, uh, post a link to that in the podcast notes. But the second one was from one of my favorite musicians, <laughs> John Cooper. So if anyone has heard of Skillet, they became kind of big back probably when I was in high school, which was, you know, back in the late 90s. And there was a lot of people who, you know, after they got out of high school and, you know, they're like, oh, I don't listen to all the Christian bands I used to listen to. You know, that's just so high school. I never got over Skillet. I thought Skillet was great the whole way through. Anytime they come through, my husband and I get tickets to go watch to them. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong when they have an electric cello. Oh my gosh, do they? Okay, I saw the yeah, I saw do. one of those in the airport, and my son was just enamored with it. So now I'm going to have to pay more attention to Skillet. I'm more of a need. They to have an person. electric cello and an electric violin. Oh, that's um, awesome. And so yeah, I'm like, oh, they're just awesome, and. Uh, but what what really struck out to me is this long response that, that John Cooper had that really you could tell that he's not just a Christian musician who has has a really fluffy faith. He really and truly has studied and is is passionate about his faith. And so here's some of the stuff that he says. Um, he says, I have a few specific thoughts and rebuttals to statements made by recently disavowed church influencers. First of all, I am stunned that the scene... Um, the seemingly most important thing for these leaders who have lost their faith is to make such a bold new stance. Basically saying, I've been living and preaching boldly something for 20 years and led generations of people with my teachings, and now I no longer believe it. Therefore, I'm going to boldly and loudly tell people it was all wrong while I boldly and loudly tell people, um, lead people into my next truth. Mm. I'm perplexed. Why be so eager to continue leading people when you clearly don't know where you're headed? I like what he said. He's, he's pointing out the same thing that I, that I was trying to point out, 
is that this is not someone who people were like, oh, we need to have compassion on people who are questioning and, you know, be gracious. And I fully, fully believe that. But the statements of the Hillsong guy was not someone who was humbly questioning. It was someone who literally said, this is my soapbox moment. And he's loudly and boldly proclaiming and trying to actively introduce doubts into other believers. And I mean, that was that was the whole purpose of the soapbox to begin with. I mean, in history, that's what you would do. You would take your literal soapbox into town. You would set it up in the most public area. You would stand on top of it and you would shout out whatever you wanted to get across to people, convince people. I mean, that was that was what you did. So, yep. Yeah, so he kind of he kind of spanks them here. Uh, he said, there's a common thread running through these leaders influencers that basically says that no one is talking about the real stuff. This is just flatly false. Mm. I just read today in a renowned worship leader statement, which he's referring to the Hillsong guy. How could a God of love send people to hell? No one talks about it. As if he is the first person to ask this. <laughs> Brother, you are not that unique. <laughs> Oh, the church has wrestled this for uh, with this for 1500 years literally everybody talks about it children talk about it in sunday school there's like a billion books written on the topic just because you don't get the answer you want doesn't mean that we are unwilling to wrestle with it mm. we wrestle with scripture until we are transformed by the renewing of our minds so that's that's like this um beautiful godly spanking by john cooper right there <laughs> um and uh, so it, the interesting thing is after this, so so first off, I, I, I posted something that actually got a, a lot of um, a lot of attention just because um, I again, I wasn't just looking at what was going on here. I was kind of looking at the trajectory mm. of what was going on. And so I, I decided, you know, in, in the world of social media to, to make a meme to say what I wanted just so because I finally just got on Instagram because I was told that I had to. <laughs> Saints, I don't want to be harsh, but let me be clear. There is a time for compassion and a time to stand firm. When a former believer uses their vast following as a public platform to inject lies and doubt in as many sheep as he can, we are not dealing with a wounded sheep. We are dealing with a wolf. Mm. And um, I got, uh, I think, like 149 shares on that one and 116 comments. So people reacted quite strongly to that. Some of them were, were really offended. Some of them said, oh, I can't believe how callous Christians are. But but the issue that we have going on here is we, again, compassion is good. Uh, walking with a brother or sister through their struggles is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, encouraging questions, encouraging doubts, all of these are good things. However, everything that I read from his initial statement, the Hillsong guy, wasn't these are my questions. It's the literal lie that nobody is talking about this. Yeah. And and just listening off all these things that nobody is talking about and him actively saying, here's my soapbox moment, meaning here are the doubts that I have. I'm going to stand on a soapbox and I'm going to try to inject this doubt into as many people as possible. And even though nobody knew his name, most everybody knows Hillsong. And so it's using the platform that he was given mm. with Hillsong to inject this doubt into as many people as possible. Now, the problem that I see with this is that if uh, we can't tell the difference between a wounded sheep and a wolf, and that's something we're either going to get to at the end of this podcast or we'll have a, um, a second podta- podcast to talk about that. I suspect we're going to need a, a second one because we're 
nearing the end of our time. We need to tell the difference between a wounded sheep and a wolf Absolutely. because we need to treat them differently. So let's see kind of what happened since then. So basically what he did was he took that original statement once he had the, the entire Christendom on, <laughs> on the internet blow up and saying, what are you talking about? Everybody's talking about this and they have been for a long time. Um, and especially John Cooper's art. Uh, it wasn't an article. I think it was, um, what's it called? It was a, a post on Facebook that a lot of people tur- you know, turned into articles saying, hey, these are some really good words. Yeah. Um, the Hillsong guy kind of changed his tune and started saying, oh, well, actually, I'm, I'm not actually losing my faith. I am just on shaky ground. And uh, w- what are some of the things you're, you're better at remembering kind of some of the stuff that he said than okay, I Okay, uh, I actually have it up here if we want to. Um, okay. Okay, so what he was saying, uh, and it, w- it was really neat to actually kind of see this dynamic back and forth because it's almost like a modern day version, like when Paul calls out Peter for showing favoritism. You know, it's, it's <laughs> kind of a neat thing. Like you see... Um, here's another brother calling, you know, somebody out. And, uh, and that's what, you know, we're called to do. Obviously judgment is, that's one of those words that gets really tricky. We got some linguistic theft things that goes on there to oh, mean yeah. that, oh, you, we, judging is any sort of accountability. And you know, that's, that's just Ooh. not true. And so we're, that's a good, that, that's, I like that. Say that, say that again, or I'll say it. The judgment is any sort of accountability. That's, that's good. Hashtag Amy Davison is Hashtag. awesome. Yeah, and I mean, it falls into conviction, too. Like, people will even trump conviction into the whole, oh, well, I'm just being shamed. And it's like, wait a second, if you're if you're being convicted not to do something, that would be a wise thing to listen to uh, in most cases. Yeah. So, well, what he says uh, in response is this. To think that I'm trying to influence others without even asking me if that's my intention is offensive. Did I write an article on myself in Relevant Magazine or Christian Post quoting myself? Do I need this kind of criticism in an honest examination of what I believe from complete strangers? I've never even met you, yet you presume to know me or people like me. I only ever posted about this to explain to people, 4,000 followers on Instagram, where I was at in an honest and genuine way, not to influence them in their beliefs, not to draw attention to myself, not to have a voice, to wrestle and to learn and to grow and to present my current state of mind to explain to people why I'm not coming back to Hillsong or when I'm going to sing on the next United song, Samson said. Instead of people like you asking genuine questions, you jump to conclusions when you could easily ask, why is trying to influence whom? Or excuse me, who is trying to influence whom? Why, when someone is influencing others, does this cause the kind of panic in a truth so strong that it cannot be shaken, meaning Christianity? I, for one, don't see this kind of shock and horror in the scientific community when a theory is usurped by a new and contradicting theory. Perhaps this is the nature of religion. Say what you will. I have no opinion on you or your life. Okay, so let's kind of look at this and pick this one apart. Um, To think that I'm trying to influence others... You literally said, I'm standing on my soapbox. Here's my soapbox moment. I would like to know who stands on a soapbox when they're not trying to influence others. Well, and he even says initially that he's he was looking for his truth. And so in a way, it's like, well, let me just throw out my truth and sort of seek some sort of validation for it. I mean, that's a lot of what people do. And that's definitely what he was doing here with that soapbox moment. Yeah. And saying, you know, without even asking me if that was my intention is offensive. Of course, we've got, you know, we've got our word offensive. Uh Oh, that's that's the Trump card (laughs) or the ace of spades. Uh, You can't really say Trump anymore without it having other connotations. (laughs) Ace of spades. Orangey. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yes. Um, So, oh, he's offended. Therefore, if someone's offended, you know, someone did something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we you don't need to ask someone if their intention was to influence others if you have a platform and you put out something publicly you are influencing others well and he wasn't period. asking questions either he was making statements yes exactly you know he says um this was an honest examination of what i believe no you like you said you were making statements he wasn't asking questions he was making statements uh and he wasn't and again he says not to influence them and their beliefs Again, you don't get on a soapbox unless you're intending to influence others and their beliefs. And, and they weren't even all that yeah. honest. I mean, like, it, I mean, it's been great. You know, apologists everywhere are coming up saying, actually, yeah, we've been talking about it a whole, a whole lot, you know, so everybody's chiming in. So, yeah, I mean, even that, it, it wasn't all that of an honest examination. Yeah. It, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't honest questions. It was, uh, I think, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but so... Somewhere else, he after, after he kind of got crucified on, on social media, he deleted all these things that he had already written, which is pointless to delete because, again, you have, like, all these articles that are written about it that are quoting him. Um, and then he starts talking about all these different apologists that he, quote, listens to regularly. Mm. And uh, I had a long debate with um, Lydia McGrew yesterday on that about oh, how she fierce. was saying, well... Uh, yeah, uh, she was saying that um, if he listens to these regularly, then then you know apologetics obviously isn't the answer because uh, you know someone who was exposed to apologetics had these same questions. And I just kind of chimed in saying I don't think what he said is true because he's got two statements. He's got the statement one that nobody is talking about this, and then that deleted, and then statement tr- two lists four different apologists that he listens to regularly. So one of those statements has to be false, mm. either the one that he says that he thinks nobody's talking about it or the one that says that he's listening to these things regularly. Because if you're listening to them regularly, then you can't claim that nobody is asking these questions. And so my thoughts are, I think he was lying in the second statement. I think he suddenly discovered everybody talking about apologetics and realized and probably did go on and listen to them and then said, oh, I listen to them regularly. But there's no way he could be listening to them regularly and make the statement that nobody's talking about these things. So, yeah, unless there's some context I, I, thing that he just wasn't thrown in there. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't work. Yeah. So this is this is all someone backpedaling here. But again, the the purpose isn't to just uh, go through the things and say what he's done. There's actually a really good back and forth, and I'm, I'm not sure if I have them all up here. But so after he kind of made that statement answering, uh, the statement that we read a second ago was him answering John Cooper's things say and him saying I don't know you why are you making all these assumptions I think John Cooper comes back and says basically what we just said like you know when you have a platform it, do- it doesn't matter if you're intending to influence people you influence people mm-hmm. it's like if you don't want to influence people don't put it out there publicly when you already have a platform it's like it, it's it's really common sense so there's a lot of back and forth here that I think is really good and the fact that uh and the fact that the whole song guy kind of started backing off on his original statement saying, okay, well, I'm not losing my faith. It's just really on shaky ground. It's possible that when he got all these people saying, hello, everybody's talking about this, that that was the first time that he realized that they'd been talking about it. He might have been in some some kind of, you know, worship bubble where they really don't talk about this kind of stuff. And when he realized people are talking about this, he might have backed off a little bit. I don't know. I don't, you know, know his his heart on this, but there is some good that I think can come from this. But again, I really, really want to emphasize the difference. And again, we'll have to we'll have to do this in the next podcast. The difference between a wounded sheep and a wolf. 
And when you have someone who is using their platform to introduce doubt into the people over whom they have an influence, you are dealing with a wolf. You are not dealing with a wounded sheep. And it needs, and, and it, I think I said somewhere, we don't speak against wolves because we hate wolves. We speak against them because we love the sheep. Mm. And that's one of the things that if, if you are called to have in, I feel called to ministry, obviously, because, you know, I have mama bear apologetics. So at one point, even if in a private conversation, it's like, I think there's a place to uh, pursue someone who might be considered a wolf in a one-on-one setting. Mm -hmm. And I think that's absolutely appropriate. But when it comes to being any kind of shepherding role, your first duty is to protect the sheep. Yeah. And when we call out wolves, we do it not because we hate wolves, but because we love the sheep. And if we are, I, I, I am worried that we have a generation of Christians and people in the church that are swallowing this idea of um, worldly love and worldly compassion mm-hmm. and worldly tolerance to where they want to love the wolf into the flock. And that is just a bad, if you want to go to a literal flock of sheep and wolf, that is a really, that, that is a recipe for disaster mm. right there. If you think, oh, maybe I can, I can, um, maybe I can domesticate the wolf so that he works really well with the sheep. You know what? You're just asking for a bunch of sheep to get hurt. And as much as we want to love on people who are having questions, once they take them, once they turn from asking genuine questions to making lying statements about the living God, then we need we need to call it out for what it is. And one of the points that I made is like, we have this idea that as long as someone comes out with kind of a sob story or acting like they're being, as I talk about in the book, one of the linguistic thefted words, authentic, mm. um, that we need to just have compassion on them. And it makes me think of what would have happened with David and Goliath if Goliath had come out and said all the ways that he felt hurt by God and then started speaking all the blasphemies against the living God. I don't think it would have made one iota of difference to David. He's saying, you are speaking lies against the living God, and I will not put up with that. And so when someone is speaking lies, as opposed to asking questions, and there's even ways to ask questions where you're intending to speak lies, but you're just asking it in a question way. Mm -hmm. That's uh, street epistemology, which we don't have time to go into today. But we need to be able to recognize wolves, because otherwise we are leaving the sheep unprotected. And I don't think I can overemphasize how important that is. No, absolutely. And it's so funny because it, it, you know, it's kind of a silly analogy, but it reminds me of, you know, I've, I've got kids. So a lot of what I pull from is, is kids movie, but I think of Puss in Boots, you know. Perfect for our eyes. I know. I think <laughs> of Puss in Boots, right? His big thing is, is he would be in this battle and uh, right when, you know, he's got folks coming after him is he would do those really cute kitty goo goo oh, eyes and everyone would eyes. fall for it. And they're like, oh, look at this sweet little kitty. And then whoop, he would snap and claw and bite. And all of a sudden he would take over these guys. And, you know, that's kind of how we've sort of as a culture accepted the like you said the sob stories and uh, look at how much I've I've had to overcome or potentially um, look at how sad I am you know all these sort of things as okay well let me just sort of give you what you want let me just oh, okay you get a free pass and we have to be careful because there are folks out there who have gone through struggles that they do need that compassion but there are others who are just using it so that way they can bust out the claws and take you down Oof, that is such a good analogy. So, okay, that's your homework, parents, is to go watch Puss in Boots and talk about that scene where where Puss is able to, uh, Puss in Boots is able to, yeah, I don't think you can refer to him by his 
first name (laughs) nowadays um puss in boots (laughs) um the way that he tricks people into thinking that he's safe and watch watch that movie and talk about that let's talk and ask your kids let's talk about ways that people try to trick you into thinking that they're safe in order to then introduce dangerous things. So, uh, well, that's that's all the time we got for, for today. I think uh, for the next episode, we're going to talk about the literal difference between, um, well, I, there's a couple different categories. The one that you mentioned that Jay Warner Wallace talks about is, what were the three that he talks about? He talks about that within the church or just surrounding the church, there are the sheep, the sheep dogs, and the wolves. Yeah, and so I want to add a category to that, which I never occurred to me until I encountered one a couple years ago, and that's the wounded sheep, mm. which the wounded sheep is uh, is a really difficult category because uh, it's hard to tell between a wounded sheep and a wolf, because if you, if you look at animals, a, a wounded animal is probably the most dangerous animal you will ever encounter because and and it's the same way with people when people are hurting what do they say hurting people hurt people people. hurt people yep (laughs) yep yep you owe me a coke (laughs) i love coke i'll take a coke now all i can think about is wanting a coke (laughs) (laughs) we'll have coke with Um, your with your movie watching too that i would say is the category of the wounded sheep which i've never heard anybody talk about and so i think it's good to try to distinguish because i think they can be very similar to wolves because they will attack just as much as a wolf will um so anyway we will talk about that in the next podcast so would you like to pray us out ames father god we are so grateful that we are just able to come to you and to wrestle with these tough topics and lord it's so delicate because it is so personal but we have to have that discernment lord to be intellectually wise within the church to have that that uh, wisdom as well as that grace lord we have to be able to know and to defend against attacks lord and so we just pray for these parents that are listening that you help them to be able to communicate to their kids so that their kids can recognize when perhaps there is a manipulator among their friends that they'll be able to recognize who needs the help who needs the compassion who needs to be defended against lord and that you just uh, pray or i just pray over these these families lord that they will be able to come and to grow in you in your holy name amen amen this has been a mama bear apologetics recording to learn more about mama bear apologetics please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com we hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas accept the good reject the bad and now you can go teach your kids to do the same Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, mama bears. We are all in this together.